We're so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. Um, just want to say something. I just had um, a picture there of a birthday cake and somebody out there watching today, um, it's your birthday, so happy birthday. And uh, But you don't really feel like celebrating because there's nobody there with you. But I just want to remind you that the Lord is with you. He wants to abide in you. And he just wants to come and let you know that he loves you, that you were not forgotten. And uh, he knows where you live. He, he knows your postcode. You are not forgotten. That's very important. Amen. 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 It is really good to be back with family. And uh, today... Yeah, it's not so much a word I'd like to share with you. I'd, I'd like to share my heart with you. Is that all right? So that's what families do, isn't it? Sit round. We. It's funny, you know. Over the years, people have come to our house and they've sat round our, t- our dinner table, and we do a lot of sharing round our dinner table. Always age appropriate, of course. But you know, we we just sit around and share our hearts, and and the 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 message is more of something that God dropped on my heart a number of years ago, and He said this week he said I want you to share this with with your family in in Yass I want you to share it with the Yass Valley family and you know I don't know if you guys have talked about you know thinking globally and acting locally (laughs) but you've been acting locally here but the reach out there has gone global I need to tell you that over the last few weeks since I was last here or Pam and I were last here I've been contacted by someone in America someone in the UK and someone in the Philippines saying it's great what's happening down there. So be encouraged. God is, you know, whatever goes out there, and good morning to you out there, because I don't know where this is going to land today, but I want to share a bit of my heart and, and my journey, if that's all right with you. And the, the title was From Slavery to Sonship. And uh, I'll, start, I'll start with a, a bit of a journey in the moment, but I believe that this is part of God's plan for the next move of the Holy Spirit. I believe that God wants to move across this nation, the great Southland of the Holy Spirit, and something, a tw- hundred years ago, Smith Wigglesworth actually prophesied over the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. Some people say that's New Zealand, but I think it's the whole of New Zealand, it's Australia, and he prophesied that there would be this fresh move, fresh move and fresh wind of the Spirit across this nation that would go out and reach out. And we've had a revival of grace Years and years ago, and then we had stuff that moved, and there was a, a revival of power. And that revival of power, there were gifts of healing poured out. And I don't think they're all negated, but I really believe that God is saying that this next move that is coming is one of love. It's one of the Father's love. Papa wants his kids back. The enemy has been too strong for too long over, his, over the family of God. And Papa, Papa God, and you'll hear me talk about that, and you might go, that's, well, that's... But Papa God wants his kids back. And this, this fresh wind of the Spirit, and where we land this morning, is that, that this fresh wind that God wants his family back, that there'll be this outpouring. And, and for that, in Romans 8, 19, you'll hear me talk about Romans 8 shortly, but Romans 8 is something I have been stuck in now for years. I love the Bible, but Romans 8 I get stuck in. And in Romans 8, 19, in the Passion Translation, It says this, it says the world is waiting on tippy toes, on tippy toes for the children of God to rise up. 
the children of God. It's not looking for great pastors, preachers, healers, evangelists. It's looking for the children of God to rise up. You are the children of God. We need mums and dads to raise children. And, and for me, my journey, I wasn't a son. I was an orphan. I was an orphan. And my orphan spirit was birthed in me at a very young age. But you know, that didn't start with me. That started way back when, when the enemy was thrown out of heaven because he wanted to be God. And then it continued with Adam and Eve who walked in shame you know, and went and hid themselves from God. That was when the orphan spirit arrived. And it's still alive and kicking in the church. And we need to see that moved out. But I'd just like to share a little bit about my journey. And you see, this outpouring that I think is that God wants, wants his kids back. So between the ages of three and six, I'm going to take you way back. I mean, that's probably before the art for some of you know. I'm 60. Okay, let's just call that. I'm 60. But between the ages of three and six in my life, there were abuses occurred that happened to me. And at the age of six, I'm going, this is wrong. And I went to my mom and I went to my dad. And I said, dad, this has been happening to me. And we're British, of course, you know, and stiff upper lip, nothing got said. There was no, sorry, son, that's been happening to you over these years. No arm of a dad. It was tears are for the pillow, son. You just, now that stopped. So something happened. But in that moment, my heart closed. My heart of the orphan just started to be birthed. I couldn't trust Papa. I couldn't trust my dad. So we start to translate that. Everything I interpreted from that point onwards, from six years of age, was that home is not a safe place. Talking to a dad is not a safe thing to do. And I see this everywhere we go now. We, we go around different churches and I see it, this orphan spirit floating around. People standing up here and I stood up here for years sharing from here. I was sharing good theology and people were getting saved and people were getting healed and people were getting touched by our ministry. But that was a bad performance. It was all about pleasing and walking towards my destiny. If I could just do one more thing, I'd get closer to God. And and maybe dad will accept me if I do one more thing for dad. I was living towards my destiny rather than living out of the destiny I've already been given when Jesus Christ stretched out his arms and said, it's finished for me. The day I got saved, we'll get to that. But you know, there's this thing that I, I just didn't, I just couldn't trust the family. And I met Pam when I was 16. And she comes out of a, a, another family that really was disjointed and dysfunctional. And we came together and thought, oh, two halves will make a whole. That didn't quite work either. But we've been married 40 years next year. Praise God. That's God's love for us. And 21 years ago when we arrived here, we came on a promise. I've shared that with you before. But the reality is God brought us here and he's spoken this over the years. He called us to be mum and dad to the nations. But he told me along the way I had to learn how to be a son. Pam had to learn how to be a daughter. But when we came here with that, that hope in our heart, we arrived here and I'd come out of the police, as you know. I've, I've shared that before. And you see, I'd performed all my life and done very well, thank you very much, and got to a very high rank. And I'd raised kids, but I was raising them with the with a mentality, my kids lived in a police station. They lived in cells. It's a horrible place to live. 
My wife would be in one cell. The kids would be in another. It was not a place because I didn't know how to make it a safe place because I wasn't safe. But you see, I got saved in 1996 at 8.35 in the evening. How precise is that? I know when Jesus Christ entered my life. And that night I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I got a baptism of the Holy Spirit. I got Jesus Christ. But I didn't have that baptism of love from Papa God. You see, I was sitting on a three-legged stool with only two legs working. I had Jesus. I had the Holy Spirit. But if you came near me and said, what about Father God? This would come up like that. My fist would come up and I'd say, you want to take that one on? Don't talk to me about the Father. Don't mention the Father. So that's weird. That's like walking around. You know, you're trying to sit on a three-legged stool. I kept falling over. So even in Christian ministry, I kept falling. And I kept saying sorry to Pam and sorry to the family. And we're going to get better. And I keep falling back into this thing. And in 99... God spoke to us and we were here in 10 weeks. We came to Youth with a Mission. But all that performance from the police days and my childhood that wasn't safe, I transferred into performance in Christian stuff. So I'd preach good. If I preached great and people were emotional and touched, I was on a high because I was pleasing my father because he was way off down there. But if it didn't go so good or someone had the, the audacity to say that wasn't very good, I'd go in a heap. It was a mess because in here, I was a crying little boy who was desperate for daddy. But you see, there's two issues. This was an orphan spirit. and There's two issues with an orphan spirit. And if you think about the prodigal son, I was that prodigal son. And 36 years of running around like a born-again heathen doing everything in my own strength. And then I get saved. And I was like the prodigal son had come home. And that was the rebellious son. He'd come home. So the first issue to do with the orphan spirit is rebellion. But then I get saved and then I'm trying to work my salvation out. You know, Jesus stretched his arms and said, it is finished. He meant everything. You know, saved by grace. But then I was saved by grace and then all of a sudden I'm trying to work it out. It's ridiculous. I'm trying to work out my salvation myself. Jesus didn't say that. He didn't say that. But I moved from the rebellious side to the religious side. Everything was about religion. So when we came to Youth with a Mission, we were told we had to do a family Bible study. I didn't even know what one of them was. You know, a family devotional, what's that? So I lined up all my family on a bench in Canberra there. I said, right, we're going to do this, this devotional. And we're going to do it now. And we're going to do it better than anyone else because I was operating out of this religion. And it was garbage. And it went on for years. So I went from the rebellious son to the religious son. They're both in there. Go look. Two issues. I had to do, do, do to please God. I had to move forward. I had to do more. If I, you know, but I always had this feeling of never being enough, never doing enough for God, never pleasing God enough. And he was sitting there all the time going, son, I love you for who you are. And he says that to all of us today. I love you for who you are, not what you do. You see, if we're doing things to attain our identity, that's not God. God says, here's your identity. Do the things out of that. Do the things out of your sonship. Do the things that I am giving you to do with love and compassion out of being a son. You see, what am I talking about here? You see, an orphan doesn't have a home. An orphan does not have a home. You know, I was struggling over bringing this, this heart message today 
and Pam had watched a movie called Oranges and Sunshine. Don't know if any of you have seen it. It's about 130,000 people, young children in England, who were shipped out to Australia. They were put in orphanages, and then in those orphanages, and their parents sometimes came back and couldn't find them because they'd been shipped out here. And they were told, you go into a life of oranges, eat oranges all day, and there's sunshine all day in Australia. It doesn't look like that today, does it? It's raining. But you know, the truth of the matter was, many of those kids came and suffered what I suffered as a three to six-year-old. And then Pam had this revelation. You see, her mum died when she was eight. And her father said to her grandmother, Maggie, Maggie was her name, you know, if you hadn't looked after the girls, I'd have put them in an orphanage. And then Pam had an amazing revelation. She said, Keith, I would have been one of those children. I could have been in an orphanage and shipped out to Australia as an orphan. But guess what? We're here as a son and daughter. 21 years later, you know, 21 years ago, God brings us not as an orphan couple, but as a son and daughter of the king to be this mum and dad message. So this is, this is the message I believe that God is birthing, that he wants his family back. And he's coming for a family. He's not coming for all these different churches. He's going to be one man in charge, Jesus Christ. Total unity. He's looking for that. So I went on like this for year after year after year. And then eight years ago, our son went missing for five days. He was in hospital. He went out the hospital. He went missing. Some of you know that story. And for a year, all we could do was look after him. I couldn't work. I couldn't work and earn money and pay the charity that we had. Because that's what I was doing. I was doing it in my strength. Earning money here, donating it to the charity, sustaining two things, doing it all by myself. And God says, you know, after a year, we had 400 bucks left in the bank account. We had a mortgage payment due the following week. We had all these debts. And I lay on a paddock at my place and I said, God, I can't do it anymore. And right there, 2013, he said, son, move over. See what I can do. I'm calling you and Pam to be mum and dad to many, but you need to learn what it is to be a son. And I started this journey of sonship. I started digging into what it meant to be a son, not a religious performer. And the the thing was, it, it was like, why is the world waiting for the children of God to rise up, as it says in Romans 8, 19? Why? Because it's all about family. It's all about relationship. God wants us to come back to the heart of worship and the heart of relationship with each other. You know, I had very little. It was foreign to me. I had very little relationship with my dad. In fact, do you know when I told my dad I really loved him? It was when I kissed him and he was dead. So I hadn't, I hadn't got a clue how to be a dad in my own family. Yet God said, I'm going to teach you it in your own family because we can't do anything out there. Can't go and serve God and do all these fancy things, which I tried unless we get it right at home. See, home is where the heart is. Home is where God wants it. God created family. You know, in the beginning, there was the word, there was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There was God, God, and God. He'd intended relationship from the beginning. So I'll say I was saved by grace. But then it was religion from there on until God started to change my heart. You know, in John 14, 6, it says this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, when Jesus said that, he said, I am the way to the Father. I am the way to the Father. Because he also says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus is leading us to the Father. He said, when I said, I am the truth, 
Jesus is saying, I am the truth about the Father. So everything you see in me is the Father's character. And when you've seen me, you've seen the perfect Father's reflection. And I started to go, wow. I started to ask the Lord to start to change my heart for people. And he started to give me eyes of love. He started to show people, not in their history, like a lot of people saw my history, which was pretty messy, but in their destiny, in their destiny as a son and a daughter, in their destiny of how God intended them from the beginning. You see, when when I was born, God had a plan. He had a plan for all of us. He didn't intend those things to happen to me. They just happened because we live in a fallen world. But yet God led me out of that. John 14, 18 says this in the Passion Translation. I promise that I will never leave you helpless or abandon you as an orphan. I will come back to you. I will come back to you. I'm coming to take you out of orphanages and I'm coming to turn my church in some places. It's an orphanage. This is a beautiful family. In fact, we were sharing with someone this week and said, we're going, we're going to Yas Baptist. It's, it's great. It's like going home to family. You know, if we weren't having a gathering, we'd be here because we love it, because the love is there. God wants this not just in this place, but out through the valley. So we need to understand that Papa's heart is towards us. Papa has a loving thought every day. And if we have a bad thought about ourselves, it didn't come from God. Have another thought. This is about the full gospel. This is the full gospel of identity. So I've got these three little chairs here, you know, and I, if you think about this, this is where I was. Pre-2nd of April, 835, 1996, I was here. I was a rebellious, unsaved, born-again heathen, having, you know, just living my life. And God broke in. And he broke in. I got radically saved. He died for my sin, as he died for all of our sin, yeah? He died for our sin. He died as me. So in this space, he died as me. He, he wasn't just some patched up Adam. He died as me. He took everything, every bit of my sin and every bit of your sin, and he died. And that's amazing. We arrive here as a Christian. But the problem here was for me was I was a, I was a performing Christian. But what we need to get the, the second half of the gospel where sons and daughters live is this half. This is the half where sons and daughters live. He lives in us. His Holy Spirit. But it's not just His Holy Spirit that lives in us. He says that the Father and the Son will come and dwell in us. The whole gospel dwelling in us as sons and daughters. He lives in us and He lives through us. The Holy Spirit is in all of us and He wants out. He wants this love to come through. This is where sons and daughters live. Over there, unsaved. He is saved but not living with that identity. Our identity is the full gospel. The full gospel. But you know, over the years, I sat in a chair and somebody asked me this question. They said, if Papa God was sitting in this chair, where would you be? And I thought about it for a moment. And I thought about it. And do you know what? I don't think I was in the room. In fact, I think I wasn't even in the town. Because the father, I was scared of coming close to the father because it wasn't safe. Pam had the same experience. But yet God over these years has turned us around the full gospel. The full gospel. Jesus died for my sins. He died for me and myself. The old me was crucified with him. But we need to go and live on this side where he lives in us and through us. 
Does that mean we don't have to repent? Absolutely not. Sometimes I have to come back here and visit areas of my life and say, sorry, Dad. But, you know, over the years, I felt I had to, I'd I'd go right back to here and I'd have to earn my way back to my daddy's chair. And yet God's changed that in my heart. A year ago, on our property, our dog was worrying a sheep and the sheep got in the dam and I just lost it. Holus Bolus lost it. I was shouting and yelling. If you just saw me and go, is he saved? Is he a Christian? I was losing the plot, I have to tell you. And I managed to grab the dog and I got out and the dog went off and I was sat there by the dam. And in the past, I would have had to crawl my way back to daddy. But I just heard this precious voice say, come on, son, let's get out of this dam. Let's put this right. Let's start again. See, God doesn't want to bash us up. He wants to lead us into this idea of sonship. Romans 8, 29 to 30 says this. For from the beginning, God decided that those who came to him and all along he knew they would, should become like his son. So that his son would be the first of many brothers. And having chosen us, he called us to come to him. And when we came, he declared this over each one of us. You need to hear this today. This is what he declares over you. Not guilty. Filled with Christ's goodness. He gave us right standing with him and promised us his glory. It's not my righteousness that I'm talking about. He promised us his righteousness, his right standing and his glory. You know, it says in the Bible, it says, God said, I don't share my glory with another. You're not another. You're a co-heir with Christ. It's in Romans 8. We're co-heirs with Christ. Therefore, we're Christ's brother. Therefore, we're God's son and daughter. And Ephesians 1, 4 to 5 says this. Long ago, even before he made the world, God chose us to be his very own through what Christ would do for us. He decided then to make us holy in his eyes without a single fault. We who stand before him covered in his love, his unchanging plan was always to adopt us into his family by sending Jesus Christ to do this for us. And he did this, why? Because he wanted to. That's what it says in Ephesians. He did it, not because he had to. So I always thought God did love me. I didn't have a problem with God loving me, but I thought he had to do it because he was God. That's what God does. He had to do it out of duty because I was just a mess. But he did it because he wanted to. He wanted to love us. Think about that. It's powerful. But you know, the key scripture that, that it's just that I sit with today is this. In Romans eight fifteen to 17. I'll read it from the Passion Translation first. I want to read it from two versions. But this said this. You did not receive a spirit of religious duty. Hallelujah. So much religious duty. But we didn't receive a spirit of religious duty. Leading us back into the fear of never being good enough. I lived most of my life like that. Not being good enough. But you received the spirit of full acceptance. Enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned as his spirit rises up in you. Our spirit joins his spirit in saying the words of tender affection. Beloved Daddy, Abba, Papa, Papa God. He's my Papa. And since you are two children, you share and you qualify to share in the treasures. For indeed, we are heirs in God himself. 
And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We inherit all that Jesus is. Think about that for a moment. Everything he is, we inherit it. What? What a cool family. Inheriting everything Jesus is and everything he has. And he has everything from the Father. This is where we need to live out of. We need to live out of this side. I am his son. I am his daughter. Not being rocked by the flow of circumstances. In the message version, it talks about this. It says, when, when God's spirit touches us, we haven't received a spirit of God that is timid and grave tending. But it's adventurously expectant, greeting Papa with, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we are. We know who he is. He's our daddy. And we're his children. God's calling us to have an adventure. He's not calling the church to be these four walls. He's calling us out into an adventure. We've got good news to share. We need to share it. God loves us so much. So much. Romans 8.28 goes on to say that he turns everything to good for those who love him. Now, when he turns it to good, it doesn't mean he turns it to our good, uh, or he does turn it to our good, but it's not the way that we think. He has done that in our lives. We've thought there were circumstances, and we're going, why are we over here now? And yet God was turning our lives to good because we love him. But the enemy wants us locked in this performance. See, as I said before, Adam and Eve, they walked in shame. We sang a song before, you know, we don't have to be in shame anymore. But Adam and Eve were in there. God knew where they were. You know when he called out in the cool of the day? Adam, where are you? It wasn't because he didn't know. God knew exactly where they were. Where they were. But he just wanted to come out. Hey, come out here. You don't have to live in that shame. But the enemy has got a grip of, of people. And he wants, to, you know, he, he wants the, the people of God to live in this place of abandonment. Not to have a sense of family. You know, to be all out of religious duty. To be alienated. To be isolated. But the problem with this fruit of this, this orphan spirit is it will kill you. If you go back into it and look at Cain and Abel, that was the orphan spirit that did that. Jealousy arose and Cain murdered his brother. But God is bringing this back out. He wants it back out. So there's a few things I'd just like to share just as we sort of bring this to a close this morning. I've got a few things, just four things, and then I want to share a scripture with you. And I'd like to pray. The first thing I discovered about this orphan spirit, and this is how I lived, I used to live very insecure life. You know, I had to perform. I had to, if I preached bad, you know, I said before, if I preached bad, I was bad. If I preached good, I was good. Eh, I'm good whether I preach good or bad. So I'm secure. Being a son is a very secure place. You know, up until... Quite a few years ago, I hid my limitations. I would pretend, you know, I could pretend I could do all things in my own strength. Not all things in Christ who strengthened me. I saw strengths, you know, in other people as competition. If somebody preached better than me in my old church, I'd be like, ooh, I've got to get better. I've got to work harder. I've got to, I've got to pray more. I've got to do all these things. That's an orphan. That's a slave. And the problem with slaves is slaves can't have possessions. They are a possession. And orphans can only raise other orphans. You're blessed in this church. You know, I mean, I've got to know Nick over the last 
few years. And you're blessed because this family is being raised up. God, God's coming back for the family. But the truth I have in my heart now is that my dad's invitation is to a place of total unconditional acceptance where I can just rest in my God-given identity. I'm a son. I'm a son. You're a son. You're a daughter. God loves that identity. See, the enemy has problems with that. He can't take that away from you. Once you get that, when when I got this, and I got it, and I was preaching on it for a year, and Pam was sat in the front row as she is now, and she will tell you, she would go, that's great for you, honey. She didn't get it. It took another year when we were in Singapore at a, at a particular conference, and God brought the, the spirit of sonship upon her. And she, she understood. It was revelation. See, this is an information I want to impart today. I believe that God wants me to just leave this here. Because you know when you, you come to be with a family, you leave good things. And I want, I want this to be a deposit that this... The spirit of sonship would just be deposited and flow out of here. Second thing is that I'm always secure in Papa's love now. You know, I used to live out of fear and insecurity. What do people think about me? You know, have I, have I put weight on? What's my image? All of those things. But I live in this secure place now. I live, I'm secure because Papa loves me. He loves you and he doesn't just love you. He likes you. He likes you. He actually likes you. You you know, just get that into your spirit. I was always in constant need of reassurance by leaders. Was I doing a good job? Was I was I preaching well? Was I, you know, reading my Bible enough? Was I praying enough? I was reading an article the other day about uh, one of the folks. I think it was Smith Wigglesworth, and somebody asked him, "You must be a great man of God, and you must really pray hard." He says, "I never pray for more than twenty minutes." Then he followed it up and said, but I don't go more than 20 minutes without praying. We, you know, it's not about the amount of words we pray. It's not about the, you know, the holy this and that. It's about that conversation with God. Hey, Dad, this is going on in my day today. Hey, Dad. You know, because God tells us things now. It's really strange. I'll be driving down the road and it would be just like, oh, such and such has got a new car. Well, what do you want me to do about that? Oh, I'll just sort of let you know because that's what God does. He tells his kids things. He doesn't tell you to do things always, but he just shares stuff with you. So the truth I know in my heart now is that God's invitation is to a place of security, love, care, and constant oversight. Matthew 10, 29 to 31 there. The other beautiful thing that I've discovered is I'm in a family. That's why I said today I want to come and share with you guys as family. I'm in a family. Wherever I go, wherever we go, we can't fly too much now. But we go to the Philippines. I said to you that people in the Philippines have been watching here. People in America, wherever we go, we know when we're with family. We've also walked into churches and we go, oh, oh, you know, we've got to, we're, we're pushing against stuff here because it's all about performance. Here's the truth of that. You see, I operated out of isolation and independence because of fear. I was disconnected. I would withdraw my, my physical body. I would withdraw my emotions if I got wounded because as an orphan, that's what you do. You protect yourself. You come out fighting. But now I know that Papa's embrace for me and for you is just there. In Ephesians 1.5, it says, you know, it's a place of belonging. Everybody wants to belong. 
people out there in Yas, they want to belong. But, you know, they want to belong to a family that's, that's good because many of them will have had bad experiences of family. Even if you've had the best experience of a dad, you might sit there and go, Keith, I've had the best dad in the world, and that's cool. But guess what? Papa God is better. Papa God is always perfect. No father is perfect. But God has given me this deep love for his kids now. You know, you're my brothers and you're my sisters. I see value in people now. God has shifted my, my, not just my cognitive thinking, but I see value. I see destiny over the history. You know, we all have a history, but Christ on the cross paid for that history so we can have a destiny. So I live in, the, the final thing of these ones is I live as a son in grace and favor of my inheritance. You have an inheritance. You know, before it was all performance. The truth I've got in my heart now is that dad's invitation is to come into the family of God and take the inheritance. We all have that inheritance. One of the things I discovered in this journey was that what I failed to, failed to deal with in my own life, I consigned to my kids. I consign it to the next generation. So I, for one, do not want to be responsible for stuff my kids have got to deal with. I will do anything it takes to deal with my issues so that the love of the Father flows through my family. And that has been where it started. It started with me not keeping my kids in a police station. It started with me saying sorry to my kids, asking forgiveness. And you know what? Kids are amazingly resilient. They, they're willing to forgive. And now I have just this love thing. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. So I just want to finish. I want to conclude. And this is what I want to conclude is two things. The world is waiting on tippy toes for the children of God to rise up. He wants you guys at this church to rise up. Not with a whole bunch of stuff. Just rise up. Just be who you are. Just love people where they are. Ask God to give you spiritual eyes to see them how he sees them. Because his thoughts are way higher than ours. His ways are way higher than ours. And when we look at people, God has given me this ability, you know, just to see people the way he sees them. And it's beautiful. You know, you walk down the street and talk to people. And you see this, God sees them as this amazing thing. He will do that. So this is where I want to land. Matthew 16, verses 15 to 18 says this in the Passion Translation. But you, you know, Jesus is saying, who do you say, you know, what do they say I am? What do the people, and, and people said, oh, you're this and you're that. But then he asked the key questions, doesn't he? He asked this question, he says, but you, you, my disciples, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter spoke up and he said, you are the anointed one. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied this, he said, Simon, you are favored, you are privileged, you are the son of Jonah, for you did not discover this on your own. But my Father in heaven has supernaturally revealed this to you. See, we don't need more information. We need revelation from the from Father in heaven. I give you the name Peter, a stone, and this truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church. My legislative assembly and the power of death and Hades will not overpower this. On this rock I will build my church. And he wasn't talking about Peter. He wasn't saying, I'm going to build my, my church on you. And you know, somebody prophesied that scripture, that very scripture over me. 
about five, six years ago, actually over Pam and I, called us out and said, on this rock I'll build my church. Now I could get full of pride and go, hey, you're going to build a church on me. Aren't I good? But no, it's not saying that. There's a word in there. You know, number one, he got a revelation from God. Peter got that information. He got that revelation from Father God. But the word stone, the word rock in Hebrew is pronounced av-ben. There you go. Av-ben. A-V, av. Av means father. Av means father. Ben means son. So the revelation that Peter got from the Father God was it was all about the family. On this rock, on this revelation of father-son relationship, I'll build my church. He wants to build his church in Yass and in Australia and around the world on the revelation that we're family. There's no more competition. On this rock, on this revelation, I will build my church. It's about the father-son relationship. God wants to build his church on that relationship. He wants to do that today. I'd like to pray. Is that all right? I just want to pray for my family. But you see, you might have identified with some of those struggles. You may not have done. You say, I'm cool. And that's okay too. But I just want to pray for the Lord to impart and deposit this spirit of sonship, this revelation of father-son relationship. The revelation that on this rock, he's going to build this church. I love coming here because you are family. We feel welcome. We feel at home. And that's, that's the thing about a family. You can kick off your shoes. You can put your feet up. You can feel at home. Back in England, we had, um, just story just as I finish. We had some really good friends. We, we left a church in England, which was like family to me. I'd never experienced family apart from this little Anglican church that was in this low socioeconomic group of, we were in a very rich town, but we were in the poor end of town. And yet I was in this life group with these guys and they loved me. I was a mess, believe me. I I was dead and they just loved me. And we went away to this thing called Spring Harvest, which was actually where I got saved. And Pam and I was was sat in our um, our little unit because it was a bit like Hilton. We were sat in this unit and we're just having a cup of tea and a chat with uh, the wife of this couple we were really friendly with. And the husband walks in and he goes to the fridge and he opens the fridge and he gets out a beer. He said, do you, mind, uh, do you want a beer, he said. And I'm thinking, well, he's offering me a beer of my beer. Interesting. But he said, do you want a beer? I said, no, I'm okay. I'm having a cup of tea. And we chatted away. And after a while, he realized he was in my cabin, not his. He thought he was inviting me to have one of his beers. But that's what family do. We walk into each other's homes and it's just like our house. That's what it's like when I walk in here. It's when Pam and I, we, we just, it's a pleasure. But I just want to lead a little prayer. I'll pray this and if you, you know, if you identify with it, just say yeah and, and agree with me in the spirit. I'm not asking you to shout out. That's not COVID friendly. But let me pray. Dad, Papa. I'm sorry for the times I didn't recognize and embrace the truth of my relationship with you, that I'm fully loved and accepted as a kid, as a child of God. I repent of the times that I feel and act as though I'm an orphan and I'm all alone because Jesus has paid the highest price for my life, that I might be a member of your family, Papa. I renounce, I refuse to have any longer the orphan mindset with all its lies, its rejection, its unbelief, and especially 
Those things that just hold me back from you, Dad. You might want to add some things in there. I ask that Holy Spirit, you would come now. Do you continue to expose and deal with any residue of orphan thinking in my life? I thank you for a new gift of a new life, for receiving me into your family. I choose to believe the truth that you're going to build your church. You're going to build your church on the revelation of the rock, the father-son relationship. So dad, I just ask that you would pour out your spirit both in this room and across the airwaves today. Dad, you love us so much. Papa, Papa God, I ask Papa that you would come and you would touch people in the dry spots this morning. Papa, where they've, they've been wounded by dads or other authority figures. Maybe they've been wounded in the house of your, your friends that's called the church. But Lord, I just ask right now that you would pour out your healing. I stand here today as a, as a granddad, as a dad, as a son, and as a leader in the church, as a pastor. And I'm aware, and I'm acutely aware that, that over the years, people in my place have not represented Jesus the way he should have been represented. If that's you today, I want to take personal responsibility on behalf of that. I just feel the Lord saying to me right now that you need it. I need to stand here and stand in the gap and say, I am sorry. I am sorry for those leaders. I am sorry for those fathers. I am sorry for those grandfathers who have misrepresented Jesus to you, that have hurt and wounded you. And I ask for your forgiveness on behalf of them. They may never say they're sorry. Some of the men in my life have never said sorry for what happened. But do you know what? I'm free. I'm free. And today I want you to be free. So wherever you are today, whether you're in this room or whether you're listening from home or wherever you are in the world, I just say I'm sorry that Jesus was not represented the correct way to you. And I pray right now as you release those people that the power of the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit would just come and take new residence in you, new residence right now. Lord, I just just ask for your, yeah, your deep presence, your deep healing. Just flow, Holy Spirit. Touch those dry spots. Thank you, Dad. And I ask that you would seal that to your glory. Seal it that nothing would come back. No lies would come and harass and say, yeah, that was just, that was just a mistake. God, I thank you that you love us so much. You loved us so much that you sent your one and only son. He paid the price. We don't have to earn, earn stuff from there. We just have to inherit that stuff that you poured out through him. Lord, I bless this house. God, I just thank you for these people, Lord, that they, they get it, they're family. But God, I just pray that, that that would just flow out of this place, Lord, that there'll be a, a fresh anointing of the family going out of this place. People will be so attracted to this place because the presence and the safety of the family will be here. God, we just leave that here. We leave that deposit, Lord. I, I ask for an impartation of the spirit of sonship the inheritance of the Father. Lord, there's many out there that are running around, Lord, and they've had the robe. They've had the robe put on them as the prodigal, but Lord, they need the ring, the ring that seals it, Lord, the ring of sonship. 
So I ask that, Lord, in this place, it would be a safe haven for those seeking family. Lord, for those who represent churches out there, that, Lord, that they would just receive that too. There would be, a, Lord, a receiving, a new wave of your spirit because, God, I believe that you are coming. And when you come, it is just going to be such a sweet presence of your love that would bring back people to the family of God. I ask all of this, and I thank you for this house. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.